This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including eBooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to New Books and Sociology, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm Sarah Patterson, and today I'm speaking with Marcus Maloney and Stephen Roberts about their new book with Timothy Graham, Gender, Masculinity, and Video Gaming, Analyzing Reddit's Our Gaming Community. Welcome to the show. Hey. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about each of you and how the book came about. I'm Marcus, Marcus Maloney, uh, sociology lecturer at uh, Coventry University in the UK. Came out here a couple of years ago from Australia, uh, which is where I met Steve. Steve, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm, so I'm Steve Roberts. I'm an associate professor of sociology at Monash University in Melbourne. And yeah, Marcus and I met in Melbourne and we've kind of done the reverse. I came from the UK to, to Australia to apply my trade and, and Marcus has done the reverse. Huge shout out to Timothy Graham, uh, Queensland University of Technology. Uh, couldn't be with us today because uh, he was looking after his family. Oh, about the book. So how did it come about? I, in a broader sense, I, I've been a, a sort of a gamer all my life. But um, I guess in sort of recent years, in terms of research and stuff, I became increasingly sort of interested in what was going on in terms of the community, especially in sort of post sort of social media and YouTube and how that, you know, that it becomes very, you know, sort of online communities or fan communities become very sort of visible or whatever. Uh, and it seemed to me that there was some sort of change going on. But anyway, so, yeah, I met Steve at Monash when I was working there and uh, we did a paper looking at celebrity gamers on YouTube. So guys like PewDiePie, uh, for example, was one of the guys we focused on. And, um yeah, and so the, the paper was uh, published in New Media and Society and it was essentially similar territory. We were kind of looking at the kind of complexities of their kind of masculinity, their sort of their identity and their performances and how it was sort of quite playful. Uh, you know, there was some sort of orthodox traditional sort of expressions there but but also some kind of, you know, inclusive or sort of progressive stuff as well, all kind of mixed, jumbled together in these, in these guys' videos. You know, as you know, uh, Sarah, you know, at the end of, papers there's always that sort of section where you go you know future research might look at this that or the other and you know we all have to kind of it's kind of an obligatory thing that we that we put in there and we wrote in that paper well we were only looking at sort of very high profile celebrity gamers and and yes there seemed to be this kind of this suggestion of kind of social change at that level but maybe what's more important is to kind of try and track this. Is it there or is it not there in terms of the broader community of sort of ordinary male gamers or whatever? And that's when Tim, who does, you know, sort of great computational work, you know, I sort of was talking to him at the time. We were both conveners of the Cultural Sociology Group at uh, Australian Sociological Association. 
and um, I shared the paper that me and Steve did uh, with him and he loved it uh, and he sort of focused on that little section and said, hey, I've got some ways that we could actually do this. So at that point I was just sort of like, you know, talking to Tim about sort of a paper and it sort of started to blow out and then Steve came back on and was like, hey, guys, you don't mind me quoting you here, Steve. Uh, <laughs> say, Why don't we do a book? And I said, you must be crazy. No, no. And it's a great idea. So, I mean, ultimately it was really the books. Uh, the book was ultimately, I guess, Steve's idea, but it was that kind of long, you know, the organic process that we all sort of go through with that. Can you set the stage for us and explain Reddit and the R Gaming community? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, well, feel free to jump in if I miss anything here, Steve. So, uh, well, Reddit's a huge social media uh, platform. I don't, it's maybe one of the top five or, so, or something like that. What's interesting about it, though, is that, you know, like when, I, when I'm doing sort of social media stuff with students in, in classes, it's not one that immediately comes to mind in the same way as sort of Facebook or Twitter, even though in terms of numbers it's, it's really popular. So it's, it, I think it holds this sort of odd place where it's, you know, in terms of overall numbers, it's a very sort of uh, popular social media platform, but it seems to be popular with a, a particular type of social media user, sort of fandoms, and sort of interest groups, especially ones associated with kind of geek culture. And I guess also, you know, it's predominantly males still who use Reddit and according to their own uh, data. And um, so it, it really is associated with that kind of idea of geek masculinity, which, of course, we can sort of go into in more detail across the podcast. Um, and then the subreddit, uh, for those, yeah, for the uninitiated, a subreddit is essentially a subforum on the bigger Reddit platform. And, um, you know, and Reddit has, I mean, increasingly it has a sort of, sort of subreddit for any sort of interest group you can think of from, you know, sort of program, computer programming to kind of Beyonce or, or whatever. But traditionally they did tend to be associated with sort of computer geek, uh, geek culture type stuff. And R gaming, it is, uh, I think still at this point, it's, it's sort of the largest, uh, not just the largest subreddit for gaming, but I think the largest sort of online meeting space uh, for, for gamers, I'm pretty sure. Within the subreddit, you then have posts, which are like, you know, people posting images or comments, and then you have um, the comments replying to those. And I, the kind of key feature of Reddit is the upvote-downvote system where posts and comments are voted on by the rest of the users and they either end up with a kind of a negative score or a positive score. And, of course, this is really great for kind of researchers in terms of getting a sense not just of the content but kind of responses to the content. Give us a quick overview of your methodology. Yeah, I can I can chip in there. Actually, one extra thing, I think Marcus might have touched on this already, but it's just to say that, our gaming is this space that is ostensibly masculine as well. So it's kind of um, writers like Adrian Massonari and Alice Marwick have, have talked about Reddit as being this kind of almost white supremacist, hyper white masculinity space that privileges like technical expertise and particular types of knowledge. And yeah, so going back to like kind of like geek masculinity as being this really over an overarching sense of the space that other researchers have picked up before so that's one of the reasons that we that we came to the spaces you know as well as its size it's kind of character i suppose as well as as it identified by other researchers is what made it appealing for us but the methods yeah super briefly and i think like we'll, we'll shout out for tim graham again because he was so important in this this whole process but basically it's a proper mixed methods study and i say that 
with the greatest of affection, actually, because I don't necessarily refer to myself as a mixed methods researcher or haven't done a lot of properly mixed methods. I've done a lot of multi-methods, I think. But, but here we have, um, in the book, we refer to Susan Halford's work on symphonic social science. Um, and this is in the sense that, yeah, you know, it's the bringing together of computational survey techniques and more conventional qualitative stuff in, in terms of analyzing the, the comments in our gaming. And yeah, it's bringing them together to help answer this conundrum about what kinds of masculinity or masculinities operate in this space and how we can make sense of it. So like it was genuinely symphonic and um, bringing together lots of methods. And, and Tim is amazing at this kind of stuff and was able to do this, a variety of text processing techniques that lead to a computational analysis through topic modeling and sentiment analysis, which I know uh, Marcus might want to talk to in a moment. And basically what, what happened is we had, we started with something like six and a half million comments on Reddit over the course of one year, 2016 to 2017. And we, uh, well, we, I say we, Tim filtered this down into, into two particular data sets that we could work with. So they were based around language and obviously limitations around that. But we basically de- gener- generated a what we described as a masculine gendered and a feminine gendered data set. So, and each of those is focusing on the nouns and pronouns that are either like feminine gendered or masculine gendered. And that's how we analyzed them. So there was some overlap in terms of the comments, but broadly speaking, anytime uh, she, her, or whatever was in the text, then that became what we described as the feminine gendered comments in and he, him, and so on um, was masculine gendered. And we recognize the kind of limits to that around um, non-binary and so on. But in terms of just wrestling with this huge data set, that's, that's what we went with to try and um, make sense of what was in there. And it still ended up with, you know, fairly huge data sets. So one of them was, um, so the feminine gendered data set was around 140,000 comments. And the other one, I think the masculine gendered one was much, much bigger, like nearly 500,000 comments. So yeah, these two huge data sets have a variety of computational techniques and then some qualitative conventional stuff where we kind of worked through the comments manually, I guess, uh, and tried to analyze them in, in terms of um, a theoretical framework. I'll just add something to that. As we say in the book, I mean, when you start with something like 6 million sort of comments overall across a year's period in a subreddit, you know, had we attempted to sort of analyze that at any level with a view to our sort of research question, you just end up with just all this noise, essentially. So, um that, you know, sort of narrowing down to those two data sets, you know, as we, yeah, again, as we say in the book, we don't claim to see absolutely everything that's uh, on that, in that space. But what, what we have done is designed to make sure that everything that we do have, and, and as Steve says, these are very large data sets in themselves, it ensures that everything in there is uh, relevant to the study, if that makes sense. The book talks about gender, masculinity, and video gaming. And in your book, those topics are ever intertwining. I was hoping you could pull them apart a bit for us, first by talking about gender and masculinity, and then bring in video game culture. Look, in terms of theory, what was really helpful for us and necessary, actually, was bringing in a whole range of different resources. So in the book, we talk at length about the different types of ideas that help us theorize and make sense of masculinity. So especially hegemonic masculinity, so the idea of domination and a kind of legitimation of oppressive gender relations. So drawing on homophobia and misogyny and how this creates a kind of masculine hierarchy where the hegemonic form is yeah, is dominant and all other forms of masculinity or behavior that was is kind of masculine in operation sits in relation to this, this hegemonic form at the top and that uh, is kind of dominant and oppressive. And that was one of the main frames. But we also, to make sense of this, the full kind of range of behavior, we felt that 
hegemonic masculinity doesn't allow much in the way of agency, I suppose. And and certainly, there's, well, Marcus and I have, have written about this ourselves, actually, that a focus just on hegemonic masculinity can draw your attention away from and towards only very negative components of, of masculinity, of which there are many. So what we did, we drew on a, this whole range of ideas. So from Eric Anderson's uh, work on inclusive masculinities, perhaps to a lesser extent, extent um, James Messerschmitt's newest stuff on kind of positive masculinities and, and his kind of ideas that we need to at least be aware of or make sense of what he describes as non-hegemonic masculinities. And then we also used this other work by some Scandinavian scholars, um, Hammerin and Johansson, and they talk about the difference between these two concepts, vertical and horizontal sociality. And so vertical sociality is kind of like, it's a bit like Raywin Connell's writing on hegemonic masculinity and has some overlaps with Masanari's work on geek masculinity. But basically here in a kind of um, a horizontal, uh, sorry, a vertical social social space or sociality in a social space, we're looking at things like uh, an emphasis on domination and subordination of, in this case, other redditors through things like technical mastery or homophobic and, and sexist jibes and so on. And then horizontal sociality is this kind of, it, it kind of sits in contrast, really. It's a kind of negotiation or uh, sociality between two or more members of this group or space. And the important thing is that it's not about domination. So it's more kind of, yeah, it's as it says, it's horizontal. So Hammerin and Johansson describe it as non-profitable, basically. So it's about group cohesion and connection and not male hierarchies, which is the emphasis in hegemonic masculinity. You get into your methodology of sentiment scores by looking at downvoting and upvoting patterns, as well as text. Can you explain more about that and how that works? Yeah, yeah. So again, <laughs> what is this? The third shout out to Tim. Uh, hey, Tim. Yeah, well, actually, so there's two sort of dimensions to that. First, we had a sort of sentiment analysis and then a voting analysis uh, that, yeah, as you suggest, they're kind of in the same section. And... Uh, I mean, it's fascinating uh, work. So with the, the sentiment analysis, essentially you take the two data sets and you're kind of sort of measuring the sort of emotional or affective character of the sort of the data set overall. Unfortunately, I cannot tell you how a computer program does that, <laughs> but it does do it apparently. So, I mean, you know, to give you an example of, you know, one of the interesting findings there is, uh, for example, the sentiment becomes more inflamed when the comments are masculine gendered uh, than when they're fe feminine gendered. Where things I think get even more interesting and where it sort of led into the kind of qualitative stuff that uh, me and Steve can then talk about uh, next is in the in the voting patterns. So uh, and and there was really a kind of mix of stuff here in terms of what we're looking for in terms of uh, theoretically what, what Steve was just uh, talking about. Uh, so, for example, uh, with the uh, masculine uh, gendered set, we found that the most downvote, the top five most downvoted comments in the period were exactly the sorts of kind of, you know, what you could broadly call sort of toxic sort of male gamer type comments. You know, I don't have the examples in, in front of me, but, you know, the sorts of comments that previous work has really sort of identified as being characteristic of the community uh, in terms of sort of sexism sort of aggressive um, and so on. And it was surprising to us that, you know, the, as I said, that the top five, you know, most downvoted, which is to say least approved of comments across that year were 
uh, precisely that sort of commentary. But then on the other hand, when you looked at the most upvoted uh, comments, um, there was a mix of stuff. And in some, in generally, it was sort of benign, the commentary, but, but that, I mean, as a start, that, that finding in itself was surprising to us that the kinds of comments uh, that are associated with this sort of um, toxic geek masculinity, uh, at least during this year, were actually significant, you know, heavily, heavily downvoted by the, the broader community. Uh, we should add to this, by the way, and we talk about this in the book, that the period that we're looking at is, you know, what we refer to as uh, in the wake of the Gamergate scandal, which, of course, for people who don't know that, it was sort of a very famous example of, of sort of essentially sort of gendered harassment and, you know, virt- you know virtual sort of assault in terms of comments and stuff, uh, all sort of coalescing around this sort of fight between progressives and uh, conservatives in the gaming community. Yeah, I'll just add in a couple of points just to flesh that out in terms of the type of stuff that were the, um, that was in that top five up and downvoted. So uh, I think Marcus has captured the, the, overarching, yeah, the overarching frame really well, but just to give you an example, so the most downvoted comment had this like a reference to a sexual reference to like an innuendo about someone's family member, like female family members. So something about, and it was actually relative, I say this with inverted commas, like relatively tame because it was about if I wanted a kiss, I'd call your mother. And that was the most downvoted comment on the, in, in the data set. There's also some stuff about gaming in there as well, which, which probably draws extra attention to it being downvoted. And then in the upvoted space, like there's, Again, there's this, uh, as Marcus was saying, there's a mix. Uh, and on the one hand, we've got very specific comments that are upvoted and are notoriously negative. You know, they're talking like s- sexualizing images of a sexy mom, for example, was amongst the top five upvoted. But within that top five as well, um, like the first one, for example, is about gaming. It's a, It doesn't have any negative or positive gendered context. It's very specifically about gaming. And then the second and yeah, the second and fourth ones are these kind of more marginalizing um, rhetoric. So you get this mix of of what's going on in terms of the upvoted and the downvoted uh, kind of was a bit more surprising. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You discuss themes from the masculine gendered comments and discourse. What did you find in general? So we, in this section, we moved on to uh, or a qualitative analysis of the comments, basically. So we've done all this computational stuff and, and got these trends and patterns through the upvoting. And here we're interested in like what we saw and how we could work with the theory ourselves through um, a qualitative assessment. And the the gender the, the masculine gender data set is quite quite split. So here I referred earlier to the, these scholars Hammer and Johansson, and their work was quite important here. So basically. About forty percent of the comments in the masculine gendered set were like basically hierarchical or what um, Hammer and Johansson call vertical forms of sociality. So it's a bit like hegemonic masculinity. It's a bit like Masanari stuff on geek masculinity, uh, and it's basically this yeah this technical expertise around pop cultural knowledge or stuff to do with computing and gaming that comes through in a way that's kind of tied to 
some version of broader social inequalities. But I think we were quite conservative with our selection here. So things that sneak through, or not sneak through, things that we characterized as being indicative of this, of this vertical sociality include things like, so I've got a quote with me now, which is, you know, it's not super exciting, but this is the kind of thing that we include. And it's, it's a guy talking about how games seem to think shotguns penetrate armor and can hit seven guys all at once, which is the exact opposite of what they do in real life. So this is someone saying, you know, making this comparison of, I know what a gun really does and demonstrating his mastery of uh, a real life masculinist pursuit shooting and um, and, and the gaming um, uh, context of this as well. So this is an implicitly kind of vertical um operation where he's demonstrating his knowledge so so that's the kind of thing that that fit this 40 percent of these comments and then on the other hand the the majority of the comments in the masculine gendered con um uh, data set were was so 60 percent basically they fell into what we described earlier as being horizontal so this kind of like you know shoulder to shoulder working together rather than against one another necessarily so it wasn't about dominance but about yeah non-profitable uh, cohesion and um, and even maybe even interpersonal kind of contact. So things like people talking about how proud they are to play get to do gaming with their kids. And I suppose here there's some you know some people might say ah oh, that's that's also a negative comment. But when you when you, you read the comments in the full context of the data set, you can see there's no ambition for dominance here. There's no position taking. Perhaps you could say like a dad being proud of his kid gaming is. You know, at, at the edges of what counts as horizontal or vertical, but for us there was plenty of this stuff. So most of the games, uh, sorry, most of the gamers' comments in this kind of horizontal category were talking about like nostalgia and kinship between users and between yeah parents and children, basically. So, and I suppose the the thing that we wanted to really reflect on that is that we're not necessarily surprised. So this is a a masculine gender data set. So it's people posters talking about he and him. And we're not surprised that this was not adversarial, and this is the kind of the kind of things we expected. But I, I should also add that a very small number of comments in this data set, so only around twenty nine of the four hundred and fifty that we that we analysed um, qualitatively, were like very negative. So there was still some kind of forceful takedowns of various individuals with like quite negative and aggressive content. But on the whole, that that wasn't the case. And similarly, right at the other extreme, there were some super positive comments of people giving praise to one another. So it's, it's very rare, but it was horizontal to the point of being praising of, of one another. What was also, and this this is not in no way a sort of a dominant theme or whatever, but it was interesting to us that uh, even within this masculine data set, there were a number of um, sort of comments that emerged uh, that actually, that were actually focused on sort of um, feminine gender uh, issues within the community. Um, and sort of almost sort of activist uh, style pushback against some of the stuff that I guess we're going to talk about with respect to the next data set. But yeah, as, as Steve said, you know, this was all comments featuring uh, masculine pronouns. And yet, even with this, we start to see, you know, sort of instances, quite a, a number of sort of instances, and well, enough to be kind of notable that of um, stuff that was actually focused on kind of this, some of these uh, kind of problematic gender issues in the in the community in terms of treatment towards women, girls and, and women. You also discussed themes from the feminine gendered comments and discourse. What did you find there? Yeah, well, this is where everything kind of almost kind of blows apart. I mean, it's, I think we refer to it in the book or whatever. It's a, uh, it sort of becomes the kind of crux of the entire sort of uh, research question. The sort of overall 
uh, description we would give this in terms of our analysis of the data set is that it really conveyed a sense that this is a, a very much a contested community, a war, you know, if not a, in some ways a kind of community in conflict with itself in terms of attitudes towards girls and women in the community, sort of gender attitudes more broadly, uh, and also in terms of um, attitudes towards sort of feminine representation in games, so sort of female characters and so on. I, I mean, it's probably best to start in terms of what we saw at the kind of polar ends of the spectrum. And here, you know, on one side, you had a you know, a small but absolutely not insignificant uh, in any way. Um, I don't have the exact percentages on me, but, um, you know, that's why everyone can buy a book. But um, <laughs> uh, but basically a small, uh, very clear, significant contingent of, again, you know, just to kind of use the, the terminology, you know, clearly toxic um, voices uh, expressing themselves in this space across this year. So we're talking about, I mean, what... What, do, what was the category that we actually used to refer to it, Steve? Um, marginalizing, we called it. And actually, I've got the data in front of me. So it's 28% was marginalizing comments. So you can see it was a it was a healthy, well, an, an unhealthy because it's toxic, like a, a, a relatively um, significant minority of comments. But I think what's interesting, and as Marcus will get to in a moment, is that's still a minority, you know? So the absolute, the dregs, the, the kind of nasty stuff that we all, well, that many of us and the general public would definitely associate with spaces like our gaming like that was in the minority it was there it was vivid it's horrible it's um sexualizing and objectifying and demeaning and dismissive of girls and women but it's only at 28 percent. it's not quite as um you know as widespread as we would imagine so exactly so in that sense uh you know this was the kind of commentary that absolutely confirms kind of existing research on geek masculinity specifically especially in sort of gaming specifically where it gets interesting then again so i'm talking we're talking the sort of polar ends these small but not insignificant numbers i think around 20 percent was very overtly uh sort of activist pushback against those sorts of voices um and again keep in mind in terms of the demographics of of reddit and and a, and a subreddit like this we you know this this is a predominantly male uh space so those were the and i think yeah again sort of it was a smaller but comparable sort of cohort of uh comments expressing very overtly progressives or you know what you might call socio-positive views directly sort of uh, against uh, that kind of stuff so sort of aware of these issues in the community expressing support for well not just sort of girls and women in the community or, or female representation in games but you know the conversations were clearly getting broader broadening out in terms of this being an issue for society as a whole so you know just in short you know we're, we're talking about sort of overtly uh, progressive voices and a, a smaller but yeah comparable uh, sort of percentage so then where it gets I guess sort of complex and interesting Interesting and again, um, you know, books not too expensive, so everyone go and buy. Is in the big, large middle ground, and on the kind of, you know, I hate being, you know, sort of simplistic, but on the bad side, you know, sort of related to that sort of toxic cohort. We then had the smallest cohort was this, and it, this is often talked about in the kind of scholarship, and you know, it's associated with things like Gamergate. Was this cohort of, um, you know, you it wasn't overtly sexist, but it would but it was uh, impl implicitly sort of provided support to that sort of toxic group. And it was essentially those kinds of, uh, you know, kind of anti-SJW type uh, or sort of anti-social justice warrior uh, type comments. So um, people who had a sort of a, 
you know, a resistance, if not a hostility, towards progressivism in their in their hobby, um, which we felt it was important to kind of outline that uh, that absolutely does provide a support. Uh, you know, if you're dismissing uh, issues of gender and saying, oh, it's not a problem, everything's fine, then, of course, that implicitly supports uh, the kind of continuance of the toxic voices. But it did feel to us very, very important that uh, that we discuss and analyse those as two different but related threads. But the interesting thing is the largest um, by quite a margin group was this sort of benign um, uh, sort of sort of collection of comments. Um, you know, the, the big example of that being, um, I mean, the most dominant uh, sort of theme that came through across the data set that's in this sort of, you know, benign uh, group is guys talking to, asking others in the community or people, we should say, because, you know, as you know, with social media research, you know, you don't want to make sort of definitive claims about the kind of gender of uh, one user or another. But uh, the theme itself was users uh, asking the community for strategies to get the uh, the girls and women in their life to sort of play games with them. Um and that by far was the, the sort of the biggest thing across the whole data set. Where that gets interesting is that, yes, on one level you could, I mean, you know, we didn't define that as inclusive um, because, um, you know, on one level, yes, yes, it's really nice and, and positive that, you know, the sort of uh, predominantly male gamer community is wanting to include like, you know, literally include uh, women in their hobby. But there was also, um, you know, the, for example, the, the suggestions of games were often heavily gendered. So, I mean, I, to sort of to the listeners or whatever, the classic sort of distinction is you have casual games on one hand and then you have h- hardcore games on the other hand and they're very sort of implicitly gendered categories. So, um, you know, the fun sort of mobile games or sort of Lego games or, you know, they're sort of lighter girly games or whatever. And um, so even though, so, but, but it was important to us to not sort of just dismiss this out of hand. I mean, this was a one, in one way, this was, you know, this was, uh, you know, a socially positive sort of uh, move on behalf of the people making these comments of like wanting to sort of um, have the women or the girls in their lives, uh, often partners or whatever, play with them. But it was still, you know, it was still grounded in a kind of a longer term uh, you know, sort of heavily gendered sort of understanding about, you know, different types of games and or maybe, you know, maybe get your girlfriend to try this game because it's, you know, it's not too hard and that, and that sort of thing. But I think it's, you know, I think it's fair to say that that tells a, a complex story rather than a good or a necessarily bad story. Um, I think what's really important to, to stress again there is that like we didn't categorize that as inclusive. We categorized it as as open. But even within that openness, like we, I want to be absolutely clear that that big lump of people or lump of comments was not about like the, a dominant way to get a partner to come and play gaming. But at the same time, we we know from other research that men are slightly more reluctant to um, traverse into more feminine ground and perhaps they wouldn't take up their partner's hobby. So there is still this like um, tension here around are they wanting to encourage their partner to join them in their hobby but would they do the same in reverse we don't know because we don't have the data on that but i think it's worth stressing that's why we call it open because it seems relatively progressive in as much as it's not marginalizing 
and it's not dismissive of women. And the literature on on Reddit and gaming more broadly has been around about how men kind of gatekeep and keep women out of these spaces and, and marginalize them. So here, there's definitely men inviting women into these spaces and wanting to encourage hobby sharing. But we don't know for sure that that hobby sharing would go the other way and that men might follow women's interests as well. You conclude the book by noting that these conversations are not, quote, relegated to the fringes, unquote. Tell us more about what you want us to take away from the book. Yeah, look, we think it's really important to stress contestation, to to point to contestation uh, around masculinity. So one of the key themes around masculinity research has been, or masculinities research has been, about the role of this, the function of the of the dominant or hegemonic form and how it subordinates and is this kind of downward power structure, uh, leaving very little room for agency. But there's a whole list of important reasons, I think, that it's that we want to stress that when we see these different types of masculinity, especially in this hyper, you know, provisionally and usually thought of as a hyper-masculinized space, the, the kind of combat i suppose that's happening and combat is a super masculinized way of framing it so i apologize but the contestation in that space is important because it tells us that there is pushback happening against something that's really negative and part of the part of the kind of broader project of sociology of masculinities that we're involved in is saying hey like here's some space over here where men are changing and you know yeah i guess like some people might say oh what you're doing is saying hashtag not all men but that's not what we're doing. What we're saying is there is room for some progress. And if we elevate and spotlight the good stuff, perhaps we've got a better chance of producing more productive and positive performances of masculinity. And that kind of stuff does shine through um, a few comments of the very high profile scholars in masculinity. So James Messerschmitt, as, much, as well as I mentioned at the beginning, like has, has signaled that we need to look for the kinds of practices that don't legitimate patriarchal relations, like we need to consider that as valuable. So it's not about saying, oh, look, it's not all men. It's actually much more than that. It's about saying, so there's a minority of really powerful, loud, destabilizing, um, dismissive, misogynistic voices. But there's this whole swathe of people that can be used in the service of combating that negativity so what we describe in the book is basically this like again using masculinist language like it's the it's the fight for masculinity it's the it's contested terrain and we think exposing those kind of contestations is really important because we don't want to minimize the damage and harm that's done by these this loud and seemingly powerful minority but if we want a chance of demonstrating to boys and other men that actually a majority of people don't behave like that, then here it is. Here's the data that shows that lots of gamers actually either are kind of a, in the middle and their hearts and minds are there to be one, or even better, they're at the progressive edge and they're actually combating in the same numbers these people who are, who are incredibly negative. That actual uh, line relegated to the fringes was, uh, I think, a quote from Masanari uh, from her uh, Reddit uh, book, which is a great book. Um, and I guess what distinguishes our own uh, study from, uh, say, that, and also another great book, Toxic Geek Masculinity by uh, Salter and Blodgett. Uh, so in, in, in that scholarship, there is an account of sort of the beginnings of change, but their understanding of it, we think, is sort of a bit binary in the sense that it's sort of like a sort of pre-existing geek masculine cohort that's resistant hostile to change and then there are the the external forces of sort of newer non-hetero white gamers uh sort of coming in and you know and sort of 
seeking to sort of um, assert themselves. Whereas in terms, I mean, in terms of our data set, again, keeping in mind that, um, you know, the demographic is predominantly male, uh, we see, yes, that that absolutely is going on. But, you know, as Stephen suggests, that there's an internal process of change within that geek masculine group uh, as well. So it's not just the sort of hostile geek masculinity versus the world, but that actual quote, quote unquote, geek masculinity clearly, uh, at least from our data, seems to be kind of contested with itself, kind of redefining itself. Yeah. And and just finally then, I think what all of that points to is in that, re, you know, this community redefining it for itself points to a really important point around like who gets to determine what change looks like and who, you know, I think what's very common in the academy is with like, oh, look at us middle-class men over here in the ivory tower describing what positive change looks like. Well, actually, I think we're not the only ones that are capable of understanding this kind of stuff. And we're not the only ones that are capable of challenging those kinds of negative behaviors. So what we're trying to do in the book is like say, hey, look, here's the the opposite of the frontline troops of patriarchy. You know, like it's the opposition to the frontline troops of patriarchy. And we don't want to say, let's give those people loads of praise and for doing the bare minimum. But what we do want to say is that they're there and uh, yeah, the, the battle is there to be won. And we, we don't want the kind of negative toxic side to win and, and to, to take the credit for the damage that they're doing when, when um, people are out there and ready to fight back. Here, here. Today, I've been talking with Marcus Maloney and Stephen Roberts about their book with Timothy Graham, Gender, Masculinity, and Video Gaming, analyzing Reddit's R Gaming community. So what are you all working on now? I know it's good to go have a haircut with the barber. <laughs> um, no, no, well, Steve, uh, why don't you tell them about, you've you got a great paper that I'm uh, helping out a bit with, I guess. Yeah, a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff. So Marcus and I are working on a paper about um, young men in sexting, and it's uh, drawing on some of the same concepts that we have drawn on for this book. So around um, vertical and um, horizontal homosexuality, and yeah, the ways that young men trade, I guess, uh, and bond through the process of sexting and how that, that may or may not have changed and certainly has changed in various ways. And then on top of that, I'm doing this, this huge project of an evaluation of healthier masculinities intervention programs, which is very interesting. I've got a paper that's basically looking at sort of masculine heroes in um, military uh, video games, like sort of Call of Duty post 9-11. Thanks again for being with us today. Thank you. No, th- honestly, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. 